Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The greater the length, the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. Prost is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about Prost, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. The Penile Rehabilitation Program was created by Melissa at Restorative Sexual Health. This is an online program to assist turning software into hardware without leaving your home. This program was designed for people who live in areas where access to health professionals in this area is not available, or for those who are just too busy to attend consults, or even for those who just feel more comfortable learning at home with online learning and consultations online. For more information about this program, please go to www.rshealth.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you. November 11th. 11 a.m. 60 seconds kids watch on the wall in the pub in the tab in the cars we remember Welcome to the Penis Project podcast and today we are lucky enough to have a man from the other side of Australia in Tony and Tony was the recipient of a nerve grafting procedure to help with his erectile dysfunction following his radical prostatectomy. Now way back uh, last year we interviewed um, Dr. David Dangerfield who with Professor Christopher Coombs in Melbourne had actually pioneered this revolutionary new nerve grafting procedure. So this uh, episode today is all about the lived experience of someone who actually has been down that pathway. So Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, this is a, a topic that many men will be uh, keen to, to tune into. So could you just um, give us a little bit of background as to how this all kicked off for you? Yeah, thank, thank you, Melissa and Joe, um, for the opportunity to speak today. Um, yeah, it all began for me back in 2014 when I was um, I was 49 years old at that time, and I underwent um, um, I under, underwent nerves sparing radical prostatectomy. Yeah, um, and I was um, so. Um, yeah, uh, Dr. Dangerfield has probably explained that whole procedure of getting your prostate removed, but um, but keeping some of the nerves, and um, that's um, that's um, basically I had ten percent cancer on one side, so they were okay. able to they were able to shave away on one side and um and and keep some of the nerves on the other side where the the cancer wasn't on that side so um that was a that was back then in 2014 
And then um, in 2019, I heard Professor Coombs on ABC Radio in Victoria, and um, he was talking about this, um, this serial nerve surgery that I'd never heard about before. And he said um, the very successful ones are the ones that um, have it um, have it within five years of their okay. yeah. prostate surgery. And um, and because I um, because he was sort of um, saying that the five year after that it starts getting um, it starts becoming harder for the the operation to take effect. I I <laughs> rang him on the Monday after. And did the quick sums and went, yep, yeah. I'm at five years. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm running out of time here, so I better. So in 2019, which is three years ago, I, I underwent the surgery. And can I just, um, Sorry, can I just ask yeah. you one question? Going back to when you first got diagnosed at 49, that would have been, I imagine that would have been a, a really big concern because, I mean, you were still a young man to be thinking about the loss of your erectile function, sexual function, was it? Correct, that, correct. Yeah. So um, at that time, um, I was, um, I, I was, I'd been married for about um, fifteen years at that point, and I'd already had two kids. Um, so it wasn't, yeah. I was, I was very young um, at forty nine, um, and um, I guess. I guess the decision to get my prostate removed at that time was because that I'd already had kids and I didn't want to have any more kids and that made it easier for me, but I was still pretty young. So it was a big decision, Melissa, like there's other people that um, would have would have kept it in their body and uh, let the cancer grow and grow and that, and that can happen to some people. Um, but I, I just wanted it out of there. And um, as soon as I knew that there was even 10% in there that I wanted it removed. But um, luckily for me, we got nerve sparing um, operation done so that there was some nerves there. And that's what Dr. Dangerfield will always talk about. He'll say, hopefully they've done that and save some on one side because it does, it does play into the whole operation that you get later where they, there is some some nerves there. So can we just, some... before we go into what happened after you had the surgery with Dr Dangerfield, we just t what, what was the return to function like in that four-year period between when you had your nerves bearing prostate removal and yeah. then yeah, yeah, before sure. you had that? So it was, it was, um, there was, um, there was some, there was some, um uh, erections that were occurring but only if i took um viagra or um spedra or or some other um some other um medication uh, uh, medication to aid me in in that area um it it, it i didn't i couldn't ha have an erection for about 9 months after after surgery anyway so um, I was doing Pilates and concentrating on my on on my pelvic floor and stuff like that because I was more worried about bladder control yeah. at, at that point. But after after that, um, I started taking Viagra and um, um, and then Spedra came onto the scene as well, and then that sort of helped me get an erection. But 
it wasn't probably strong enough to have intercourse. It was probably just to the point where you get an erection, um, there's, but it doesn't sustain, it doesn't hold and doesn't... Yeah, you arrive stay. at the party but you just don't stay very long. Yeah, stay very long. So that was what the problem was with um, even after about four years after surgery. I so I was wondering sick. that. There was after that nine months initially when you started to get yeah. some partial return, did yeah. it... We always talk about two years being the the time frame with which we assess how someone's back to baseline erectile function. Yeah, yep, yep. So between two and four years, sometimes guys do actually make quite a significant improvement beyond that time I've noticed in my patients. So was was there anything gradually still improving in that? Yeah, it was improving, but um, it it was like... (laughs) It was one of those situations where um, use it or lose it type of situation where you had to sort of regularly sort of practice intercourse and um, masturbation or whatever just to keep the the blood flowing, so to speak. But it was always under medication. It was never, it was never spontaneous. It was never... It was never, oh, I'm excited. Wow, yeah. this is this is really happening. But um, I think, yeah, so there was that type of stuff going on in the early days and it was just like um, it something needed to happen for it to shift because you yeah. couldn't just keep taking medication all the time mm. to, to sort of get aroused. And, um, yeah, look, um, there's other there's other things like pumps and stuff like that, like water pumps, and, yeah. and I yeah, bought one of those. Try, yeah, yeah I, did, I, 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 did, I did try that. I didn't try injections, no, but I did try one of those pump things <laughs> where the water comes in and grabs <laughs> and then yep. pushes back and forwards. Did try yep. one of those. It seemed to work okay, but, you know, like... Um, so does the medication as well. I never tried any other um, injections or anything like that. It was all just basically uh, Viagra, um, Spedra that came on the scene. And then, yeah, Viagra sort of really made me agitated. Um, okay. It made my face all red and um, sort of it had some really weird um, side, uh, effects. side effects for, for me, for me mm. personally. Like it may not be the same for other people. So I found that Spedra and um, um, is it Tadafil? Yeah, Tadafil or Cialis. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That, that they're they're a lot softer um, with with my personality. Like they don't they don't sort of heat me up and rev me up as much as Viagra did. But Viagra does work. It just I just felt really sort of yeah hot and sort of really wound up with Viagra. It's a common, it's actually a common side effect of, of that and people often often say that and everyone reacts differently. So anyway, yeah. you heard Dr Coombs on the radio and you decided that's it, that's for me. Yeah, that's for me. It was a bit of a no-brainer. I went and saw him with my wife. So um, the other most important thing is having a really good <laughs> relationship with your partner your wife or your your mm. partner because that is really important um, with um, any type of um, mm. sexual interaction and um, and getting well, you know, like um, and um, so I went along with my wife um, to see Dr Coombs and he just, he said the only downside is that, well, you, you, your prostate's gone now, You've, you're not going to have any kids. Um, you, um, 
you will get you will get numbness around your ankles um, where where we do do an incision and it will become numb around that area, but you won't lose any of your motor skills or your gait or anything like that if you're a runner. See, I'm a runner as well, so I, I run marathons and stuff. It's, it hasn't affected my gait at all. Like, I still can run. Um, yeah, so you said there is, there is is this numbness around your legs, and but apart from that, we're going to take the nerve out of the back of your, out of your calf and then reattach it to the top of your penis and, and that's going to grow into your penis over a period of nine months, which is just miraculous. Like it, it really is miraculous. And um, and it was it was just like, is there any? I was saying, is there any downside to it? And he said, just the numbness in your ankles, and that's about it. So it was. Oh a well, pretty, if you go camping and get bitten by a mozzie, it won't annoy you. That's correct. And he, it's always and he a says, positive. It's always learning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he said, if you get a blister from running, you probably won't feel it until okay. later, until you come back and you go, oh, look, there's a blister on my on my ankle from mm-hmm. running. And then, yeah. But look, this. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess for me, it was a bit of a no-brainer. Like I was still going to have to take the medication um, uh, when. When because the, after the operation you've got to leave it nine months as well before you even sort of touch the area downstairs. What, um, so you ca- it's like hands off for nine months after the yeah, surgery. Yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't oh. didn't they mention that? <laughs> oh no, this is why we're interviewing you to find yeah. out what really happens. <laughs> yeah, that's the doctors right. only ever tell us all the good stuff. We oh, want to hear the nitty gritty. Yeah, that's why we get yeah. you guys there. So, so you do, yeah, for about nine months while everything sort of repairs itself, and also the 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 um, so the the nerves go to the top of the penis, and it's got to grow down the shaft of the penis on both sides. So they take the they take the they take the nerve out of from the top of the calf right down mm-hmm. to the ankle and then they pull it out and then they reattach it back to the top of the penis on both sides and it grows down the sides of the penis on both sides. So, so just for the anatomy listeners here, so what yeah. they're actually doing is they're taking out the sural nerve, which is yep. in the lateral calf or the side part of the calf, and then they're feeding it into the femoral nerve, which is at the top of the thigh, and then that's being thread through the pelvic area to the top of the penis like Tony's saying and then that um, is grafted and they call it an enterside somatic to autonomic nerve grafting procedure and that's what Tony's saying for nine months that's the predicted time that it takes for it to heal and grow to enable this um, function to transition back to normal functioning hopefully so we're really super excited to to find out what actually happened mm. in that nine months and beyond. So many questions about mm. like, are there like cuts in your penis or? But first of all, yeah, tell us the outcome. Let's let's get straight to them. Okay, the so so Does after the so after nine months, you you're having strong you're having stronger enough erections to have intercourse, and but with the with the assistance of um, with medication like. Um, Cialis was the other drug I was talking about. Um, so Viagra, Cialis, Spedra, um, yeah, and probably 18 months after 
surgery, I was having regular intercourse. So nine months before I can start touching downstairs and doing anything and then like 18 months before having regular intercourse and and um that that's probably about the timeline so i'm i'm sort of three years post um post surgery so like for 18 months i've been having probably sex once a week um and masturbating and all those other things and and it stays upright and now and stays lasts. at the party do so, you need medication yeah. anymore yeah, I was yes i do I, I still do i still do only because i just find it lasts longer if if i've had something beforehand do you um, take a smaller dose now than you took before yeah I, I i have halved it because it was it was like i said before it does sort of still sort of heat me up too much and sort of really sort of plays with my um you know just it just it it's quite erratic the mm-hmm. the the um so i have split the um pills in half and taken half a dose to to um so it's not as um powerful but i i've gone totally off viagra altogether and just use um tadafil or um or whatever you called it, I'm sure. Yeah, Cialis or today. Cialis, Cialis and Spedra. Yeah, just those those two, more Cialis than Spedra. So yeah. in that nine months, sorry, I keep going back to that nine yeah, months nine where you months, can't yes, touch yes. it because it's just beyond my comprehension that a man can't touch his penis for nine months. I mean, if I had one, I'd be touching it every day. So, <laughs> That's you know, right. Complete penis envy. So did it get semi-erect or anything in that time? Were like oh, yeah. waking up in the morning going, oh, yeah. oh my God, I've got yeah, a new yeah. toy and I can't play with it? Absolutely. Absolutely. That that would happen, but they're trying to um, – Chris Coombs is probably more um, sort of involved in that part of it than David is because David um, – Chris is really worried about you damaging those nerves and mm. making um, – because it'll grow naturally. I think he was saying every week it would grow a millimetre or something like mm. that. So, like, over over nine months, it's grown sort of, yeah, um, quite a lot, you know. It was, it, was, it was some unusual amount of growth, but he's saying just don't, just let it, let it heal. He was saying, he was just kept on saying healing. It needs to grow and heal because that so whole area. I think area, number one tip, anyone who wants yeah. to have this surgery needs to be patient. Oh, Very absolutely. Patient. Yeah. Yeah. Nine months is seems like a long time and it probably is, but you really gotta you gotta let things heal, you know. Did were you encouraged to take any medication in that time at all? Oh like yeah, I could take medication. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But the normal why, but but why would I why would I if I was I just not, wondered if it was you know, considered helpful to keep the the blood flowing oh, yeah. in the background. Well, of... well, it it would have, but I chose not to because I, okay. I was I was just really worried about. I was yeah, I was just really sort of concerned about because some sometimes I'd wake up in the morning and I'd sort of wet the bed, so I'd sort of had a I'd had a wet dream. Okay, um, but you're only shooting water out in the urine, you know, like there's no mm. there's no there's no um, ejaculation anymore, anymore. Yeah, yeah. 
there's no mm-hmm. semen. So, like, there was a couple of mornings where I woke up and there was the bed was wet, you know, and mm-hmm. I said, um, well, that's interesting. <laughs> Has that, had that ever happened before the surgery? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that would that would happen occasionally, you know. I like, mean, after like, the radical prostatectomy and before the nerve grafting, oh, that happened in that four or five years. Yeah, um, maybe towards the end. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I, look, it's it's hard to it's hard to remember. I just remember it happening after I had the nerve ending, uh, the the um, the sural nerve. Yeah. Put in it's just, that, an interesting observation, really, just to see whether or not there was that natural progression of nerve recovery and all those sort of spontaneous. Yeah, but things how happening. can you? How, I, I couldn't tell what was um, an erection or a wet dream, and what yeah. was um, what was lack of bladder control. Yeah, if you know what I mean, because you you are having episodes with with going to the toilet in the middle of the night as well. Um, if you've drunk a lot of water during the day and you, you mm. might have. Can I just yeah. ask, uh, yeah. did you gain full continence from the radical prostatectomy, the urine control? Um, what does what does that mean? Oh, like, did you get um, to be pad free? So you never Oh no, I'm, no, no, I've never I've never been able to achieve that. And oh, really? David okay. David was a bit concerned about that, to be honest, because mm. um, I, I just I just fit. I wear a pad every day, but yep. I don't wear one to bed. Um, okay. Um, and there's only little droplets. Yeah. Um, throughout the day, um, but I, I I tend to wear it because I okay. don't want to look down and have a yeah. a wet patch at at work. You know what I mean? Mm. When I'm at work, so I choose to have one, but um, I could probably go without during the just- day. Yeah, just a little tip. Um, I'm just popping in my physio hat on here. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not sure if you do the pelvic floor exercises still, but if you can practice doing fast pelvic floor exercises, as I've described, as quickly as you can, you do a bunch of 10 yeah. and you time how long you can um, take to do it. And if you can do 10 rapid pelvic floor contractions, so squeeze and relax, squeeze and relax, 10 of them as quickly as you can in under eight seconds, I normally find that stress urinary leakage stops happening so that's these intermittent little bits of leakage that often if you weighed your pad it'd be maybe 30 20 grams that that's because the fast twitch muscles that do that rapid closure need the reflex to develop so that that can overcome um, those little small movements you need you need to get that reaction really brisk and then there's something called climacteria which is urine leakage with orgasm that that fast twitch fast pelvic floor training also um, overcomes. So maybe five times a day or so, it's good to do that. And another little tip is if you aren't so good at writing, uh, remembering to do these exercises, mm-hmm. whenever you do a wee at the end of each bladder empty, do 10 of these rapid ones to better empty your bladder as well. So that's, oh, okay. you might okay. go the blue five times a day. So when you finished your wee, try and do this rapid on off, on off as quickly as you can. Right. And that's that's just two really helpful little tips to try and help that link between the sexual function and the um, urinary function, which is typically loss of urine with orgasm. So my mind's spinning here, but I'm just curious to see whether or not there was any improvement in your continence from having the sural graft at all. 
Um, look, I don't think it's connected. I don't yep, think okay. I, I don't think I don't think the two are connected. Um, I was just more referring to the wet dream um, or lack of bladder control because I've I've picked something up really quickly and sort of picked up something really heavy like yep. a shopping bag and yep. I've felt that squirt and yep. you go oh geez like I didn't I didn't switch on then yeah. and that's that's sort of when it happens and um, but I, I I do believe. Um, look, I don't think they're connected. No, between I, they're, no, no one's really established. And, and, yeah, yeah. No one's established that they are connected to any definite um, understanding at this stage. But I'm, it was just a curious question. <laughs> yeah. It's like, can I ask you a question about the surgery? Where yes. was the? I'm just thinking, if I was a guy and I was considering having this type of surgery, where was the like? Where did they go in? So where oh, did where's you have the cuts? Okay. Yeah, where were the cuts? How so long the, did they take to heal? And was it painful? Okay, so the cuts are probably only about that long, and they're on the back of your that long being about one centimeter, one to two centimeters. Yeah, one say? centimeter, I reckon. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, they're on the back of your, on the back of your calf, so um, at the top of your calf, and um, and and it's just where the this where the leg folds over. So it's not really noticeable. Um, so there's one up there and there's one down on your ankle, neck behind your ankle, and it's and it just sort of runs down, same, same length again. And you have that on the opposite side as well, on the on the opposite leg um, as well. So um, there's only two, um, there's only two incisions that they make, and then they pull the nerve up from the top and then um, then go uh, so oh and around your around the pelvis there's there's two above um, two above the sort of your underpant line or just under your underpant line just above two two incisions and one sort of at the top of your penis as well I think just above that yeah we've yeah, actually got the see. diagram in front of us and we'll yeah. include that in our show notes so guys can have a look yeah, yeah we'll put so, it in there so um, they they do take time to heal because they are incisions. Um, um, yeah, but look, um, they were, there's nothing. You just you're just left with that, and they did have to put one more extra one on my right hand side because they were finding um, Chris Coombs was finding it hard to pull the nerve out of my right leg for some reason. So he made another incision, sort of a bit higher. To sort of grab it and then sort of yank take it, out. it out, yank it <laughs> Did out. Did you have much you... pain? Was there much pain involved? No, no. I I was really surprised. Like the next day, I woke up and I was in hospital. And I'm on endone and I'm just going. Um, well, there's not really that much pain. I don't really want to be on endone to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually, I I actually took some tablets home, but never even took them. Like I I, I as opposed to the surgery that I had when the prostate came out, that was totally different. I was I was really struggling after that. I was really struggling with um, even walking. Oh, that's the other thing about. Oh, that's the other downside to um, uh, to the um, serial nerve surgery is that you will you have to you have to hang on to the stairs when you walk up and down um, because you will. 
if you just walk without holding on to the railing in the first week, you can actually get halfway up the stairs and just absolutely collapse. Look, really? One of your legs can just go and (laughs) flip out and you'll just go down on your face like it's that. So and you, how long you, does that last? Is that a week? That only, only lasts a couple of weeks. Mm. A couple of weeks. How You've got to be really careful about the, yeah, about that. As, um, how long were you in hospital for, Tony? Um, I was in for hospital that procedure. for two days and I could have gone home the following day, but they kept me in for another day and it was, and yeah, so I, was, I wasn't in hospital for very long, whereas the, the original um prostatectomy I was in there for like four days four days and and what about and, bruising and walking, down, and walking down the corridor as well like just holding onto handrails and walking <laughs> down, and like like shuffling down the corridor in the pajamas um bruising not really just just scarring you know and I, and I use I, I use bio cream just to sort of on the scars just to sort of make that um, a bio oil, sorry, not bio cream, bio oil on the scars just so it takes that sort of nasty look of a scar away, but you wouldn't even know that. What All you can see is a, is a darker, darker line now. Um, so, sorry, before we started recording the podcast, we talked about because you've got a surfboard hanging up behind you and, and now you're, yeah. you're talking about walking up these stairs and that balance for the first week. What was it like when you first got on back on a surfboard after this? How was your balance? Was it fine? It was fine because that only sort of happened for um, Melissa for a week or two afterwards. You just had to be really careful. You just had to be hanging on to something and it's just it's it's just because the the nerves have been taken out of your of your leg and it just sort of collapses sometimes it just sort of says oh, i'm not i'm not doing this anymore you know like <laughs> you've taken my nerves away what do you yeah. what do you expect me to do so i guess that that was it was just coming to grips with that so surfing has never been an issue and nor is running either it's just right. the numbness in in your in your feet, and you just don't feel anything. Like um, so, the yeah. the sural nerve is just a sensory nerve, which means it's just you know giving you that feeling. But they assured you that it wouldn't affect your motor nerve, which is your ability to yeah, move. Correct, it correct. And correct. then long term, three years later, how how do your ankles feel? Well, they're still numb. Yeah, and that, that's <laughs> a permanent numb. change. Well, he says it diminishes over time, mm. but you will still have numbness around that area. And I and I sort of push down on there every once in a while, and I go, mm, "It's still pretty numb." You know, yeah. like I really can't really can't feel much. But that's down. the only negative side effect long term. Yeah, yeah, absolutely long term. Yeah, absolutely. That would that would yeah that would be right. Mm. So just to um, give a bit of evidence to this, the, the first papers um, published on this was in the European Urology Journal in 2019. That yeah. actually um, Professor Coombs and David Dangerfield had actually done 17 cases and they, yeah. they found that there was a 71% um, success rate in that, you know, men who'd had minimal functional, unsatisfactory sexual function had, you know, recovery and satisfactory performance again and those numbers are really really high um since that time they've actually done another 150 cases i believe and there's more research coming out so do you know what number guinea pig you were 
<laughs> oh, geez, I was pretty early doors mm. because I was I was in June, July. I think I was a part of the first hundred, to be honest. Like, yeah, um, you would have been. Mm. I would have been in the first hundred. I just don't know um, where I where I sat. Um, mm. You'd have to ask David about that one. I was I was I was early because they just. Chris Coombs had just come on the radio and was spruiking it, and that was the first time he'd spoken on mm. on the matter on, and it took to them the media. At least four years to develop that technique together, and they had many different, you know, conversations and opportunities to yeah. trial yeah. things. And I think they've been at it for eight years now. So, um, yeah, before they even, you know, took it to the public it was yeah. very much um, um I, I all i know is that david had just returned from south america he'd been in brazil with some um some physician mm. down in brazil who was a who was also um in, instrumental in mm. in getting and he discusses that he yeah. discusses that in our podcast number 46 when we interviewed him originally oh so, good would you recommend this to other guys? And if you had the t- chance again, would you do it again? Yes, I, I would. Um, as long as you're not, as as long as you've got a, a good partner, number one. Like if if you're not going to, if you're not going to, if you're not going to have an opportunity to um, um, cash in on it, then wh- why would you? Why would you do it anyway? And and also you sort of got to be young as well. Like like I'm I'm ex- I was extremely young, but you know like if you're getting into your seventies, like it's not really it's not really something that people should be interested in. That, that Why is that? Are. Do you think you're not going to want sex anymore when you're seventy? Oh. Lots of seventy year olds that are still doing it. No, well, all I'm saying if it was. If it was when you had the operation and it was more than five years, yeah. and you'd left it for fifteen years, yeah, like it's not going to work as well because no. really there's just too much of a distance between you having your prostate taken out and then you getting the serial nerve put in and and like I I look at the serial nerve as just being these jumper cables, you know, like they just pull them out of your legs and they reattach them to the top. But they actually grow, you know, like jumper leads. You could just jump a lead, start your car, mm. but these ones actually grow into the penis. So that's my analogy that um, I think. I like Chris- that analogy. Yeah, it's good. I've actually got the criteria they use just um, here from their website. And it says if you were wondering if you were suitable for surgery, you should be aged younger than 70 years, like you said, Tony. Yeah. Should have had um, a satisfactory or normal erectile function prior to your radical prostatectomy. Correct, yeah. Yep. That you need to have your PSA levels less than 0.1 yes. um, nanograms per mil. Um, yep. They want to make sure you've had the oncological clearance. Yep. Um, that you have persistent impotence following your radical prostatectomy despite rehabilitation. Yep. Have had no hormonal-related conditions or diabetes have not had radiotherapy to treat your prostate cancer and have never taken androgen deprivation therapy. So there's yeah. seven different criteria. Yeah, and I tick all those boxes. I tick yeah. every single one of them. But, yeah, look, but that they are really strong points and they push that pretty heavily. They're not just going to do it for somebody who's 77 years old and 
he's had he's had his prostate removed 10 years prior to having the surgery it's just not going to work with them and then they end up with they end up with a percentage that's um that's skewed towards it not working rather than working. They want yeah. it to work. They they definitely want it to work. Yeah, but they need to pick their patients. It's a bit like exactly. Me I started doing shockwave therapy on patients at six months, within six months of the prostatectomy, and I wasn't really getting results like I expected. So now I wait six to 12 months and I'm finding that there's there you go. Response. So you, yeah. you want to make sure that you're, you know, providing people with some hope and some optimistic outcomes but yeah. i do know that guys have been looking at um a few cases that are more than 10 years and there's surprisingly surprising results now that's a bit further along than well that's good that that yeah that's good because last time i spoke to david um he was going to um suggest it to some people and he was just going to see how it, how it panned out and if it, if think it pans out in a positive then that's good yeah, I think they've done 10 cases or so, but that's all research that's in the publication process at the moment. Now, they, they, also, they, they also like this nerve sparing surgery yeah. as well. If yeah. you get it all shaved out, like those nerves, if you get it all taken out, all those nodes that are, um, so the prostate sits on top of those nodes, if, if you get too many of those taken out, they don't like that either because mm. it's sort of like, they do tap into those those nodes and those nerves that are nerve remaining bundles. there. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. No, that's an interesting point. Now, I just would love to know how much this all cost you. That was my next question too. Oh, right. And you don't have to give us the exact price, but just if some of it was covered by your private health and if it was, you know, oh, yeah. expensive um, exercise. So I think, I think out of pocket was about 10K. Mm-hmm. Oh no 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 no! That was no the, the, no. It was ten k. Um, no, it wasn't out of pocket. It was ten k all up. Oh no no no! Sorry, I'm I'm getting my figures wrong. That's all right. I think it was ten. I think it was ten k out of pocket. So it came in a lot higher, like about fifteen, and then I might have got a few thousand back. Yeah, my, so some of it was covered anyway. So it is worth some of it. Or, some of it is covered, but it it's sort of. I think you should look at it around ten k mm. out of pocket. And yeah. for me, that's that's also a no brainer. It's <laughs> like, why? Yeah, I, I I wasn't really going to worry about that. It wasn't. Yeah, and I'm really quite sure if guys are seriously interested, they can contact um, Dr. Dangerfield and find correct. out what the item numbers are, and then contact their health. Yeah, they they can they can find yeah exactly there's there's only certain portions of it that are um that are covered in your healthcare Mm -hmm. certain items and there's others that aren't but um i think out of pocket was about 10 i think if i remember rightly it just so happens that you are in the only place in the world there in melbourne australia that actually offers this um treatment at the moment so you're listening to the radio on the right day in the right city Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, they they said that they said that because um, there was a bunch of people that was I was on another I was on another um, talk where um, David was talking and then I spoke at the end and there was all these people that were interested in um, um, in New South Wales in Sydney and there was people in Brisbane who were interested in the in getting the 
uh, procedure done and they said you need to come to Melbourne and mm. uh, make a make a make a weekend of it come down have some surgery and uh, go back um, so they so the, they weren't traveling at that time I don't know if they're traveling now maybe they are traveling around the country but, I can think um, of like a really good you know sales pitch there come to Melbourne for the weekend and get rewired yeah rewired yeah <laughs> Get a set of jumper leads with a jump start, with a jump start, <laughs> jump start. Yeah. Exactly. and then go and see your favorite AFL team. <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. And, and don't, go and see and go and see Hamilton as as well. You as know? well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just don't expect to play with your new toy for at least nine months. It's kind of like that's being right. pregnant, isn't it? You got to wait to I see was it. That, that's fair enough, you know. Yeah, nine it's a, month. That's trade-off. a fair wait time, it, I think, for something that exciting. It, it might. It may have been six, but. Um, we'll take yeah. nine. Yeah, we'll, take we'll, we'll nine. go with nine. I'm, I'm <laughs> liking nine. Yeah, they just yeah they just said it was it was time to leave it alone. <laughs> no touchy. <laughs> so thank you so much. Is there anything else, Tony, that you think people should know or you wish you knew before that we should um, that people might like the opportunity to hear, or do you think we've covered everything? Um, I think we've covered everything. I'm just looking through my cheat sheet here and seeing if I've mentioned, uh, I've written down anything else. No, I just think, um, I just think it's sort of, yeah. I just, I just believe that it worked, and I, I had that, I had that positive affirmation when I first met them. And um, I didn't meet David until after I'd met Chris because Chris is the guy that does the surgery. And then I saw David after that. He was he was obviously concerned about my my um, lack of bladder control at that time, but it has improved over the last three years. I must admit, my bladder my my bladder control has got better from having this surgery. I. I think it is sort of slightly connected, even though I said it wasn't connected before, but I think it has improved a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I just think that it, it's just a better way to to live. Um, if, you, if, you, if you're really worried about having your prostate removed, then you've got every reason to, but um, then to go and have um, more, um, more, sort of stimulation from um, a procedure that they do where you only end up with um, numbness in your in your in your feet um, it's not really it's, it, it it really is a no-brainer but you sort of have to be on the um, on the other side of 70 to to sort of get any enjoyment or any experience out of it I guess and um that's that's why I went for it because I was. I want to come back and interview you when you're, you're ninety and go. Oh, so that's it. You're all finished now. You're not that's doing all, it anymore. No, all, seventy. That's it. No yeah, more. No we have got so many patients, Joe and I, that are well over seventy listening to this podcast, and they're going to be going that whippersnapper. What does he <laughs> know? Oh, no. We'll show him. Have I really done, have Do you know I really I've got done. a patient in his nineties that yeah. still yeah. has regular sex? Well, yeah. there you go. Mm, yeah. Let him. If he's at, if he's had his prostate removed like even ten years ago, he should be. He so should I'm be just going to say, up. you know, he should be hopping on that plane. If I was you and I'd spent ten grand on it, I'd be still doing it after seventy. Then you get more bang for your buck. 
So you just yeah. need to keep it going. And you know my theory, so long as the man's heart is beating, he's still, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's still up for it. So I, I, I just want to say to all the older gentlemen out there that <laughs> there was no offence taken by that. And prove me wrong, please. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good place to finish. Yeah. <laughs> if this podcast is still going in another 15 years, we're going to knock on your door and go, okay, you're 70 now, that's it. We're coming and taking it away. <laughs> Well, you haven't got my surname, so that's probably a good thing. No. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tony. It's been great for you to share this story with us, and I'm sure we will get lots of feedback because we've had a lot of people after they heard Dr. Dangerfield wanting to know more and know the patient perspective. So it's fantastic that you've spoken to us today. Yeah, no problems at all, and thanks for the thanks for the opportunity to share. I've um, yeah, I've enjoyed it. Had a bit of a laugh too. Tell you about a boy who lives inside me. He's been there all of my life. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions, and so much feedback. And Melissa and I are absolutely thrilled about this. What we'd really love you to do, though, is to share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit including any man in your life. Simply download using your favourite podcast app or subscribe to the penisproject.org. You'll get a weekly email and new releases and this helps our podcast get more people. And if you write a review and subscribe as well, well, we'll get known more widely across the globe. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Women, just a mystery to me. my own now it fills me with pride to see him growing so fast into a man